0: skies cool they seduce us pulling us irresistibly upwards reminding us to fly our own line on our wings and in life we are the seekers adventurers being one with the air feeling everything and nothing at once that's the magic we chase follow the call find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on, one glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken, built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind. She gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at aerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos! They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. Hell, they've even got a special offer for all you Lunatic listeners out there. Just head to pages.nzaerosports.com forward slash into the void. That's pagesnzerosportscom forward slash into the void and follow the instructions to register a website account with them. You'll score a discount voucher with 20 bucks towards any purchase over $200. I mean, come on. You know you're going to shop with NZ Aerosports, so grab a little extra cash towards that buy and enjoy. The offer is good until the 31st of December, and the voucher is good for three months, so go register now. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And like I talked to you about uh, right before the podcast, I'm still not used to this camera shit, and I know you aren't as well. So fuck it, we'll just be uncomfortable together. Tell
1: me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? My name's Dave Singer. I'm 47 years old, and I'm from Colchester, Connecticut. Nice, Uh, nice. (laughs) I'm, uh, Yeah, so my name's Dave Singer. uh, I'm the owner of Peregrine Manufacturing uh i've been in the sport since 1992 okay um so i started a long time ago i hate saying it because it makes me feel old but i'm not really that old right Uh, that shit's (laughs) all
0: in your mind though isn't it because until you until you start putting the numbers to things i don't fucking feel 52 and then i say when i was born and you're like oh yeah (laughs) right
1: i don't know when that happened right when did that happen when did I don't know when that time actually flicks over to when you start feeling funny about it, but it happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I've been, uh, I've been basically doing this my entire life. I went mm. into the, uh, the army at 18 to be a parachute rigger to start jumping. That's, that's what I wanted to do. So this really? whole saga, yeah, so, it was, and it started well before that too. I mean, when I was a kid, I really I knew what I was going to do. Yeah. But at I'm 18 years people. old,
0: you knew you wanted to be a rigger.
1: Uh, at earlier than that, probably really? seven or eight years old, look, at, got in trouble, probably got sent to my room upstairs, looking out the window thinking, how do I get out of here? You know, <laughs> and I started asking my mom to make, get me fabric. My, and, um, my mom always had her sewing machine out. So I started learning how to sew with a sewing machine when I was probably seven or eight. Really? So do you so, think, yeah, and, was that
0: just because it was always around? Because, I mean, sewing is not what your average eight-year-old usually
1: aims towards. Oh, dude, I was making sheaths for my knives, you know. I was breaking <laughs> my mom's machine, not sewing with it. Let's put it that way. All right. <laughs> but, yeah, I was doing what a normal boy would do at a seven and eight, just with a sewing machine to make my own stuff, right? Probably because we couldn't afford to buy the stuff I wanted to make to have. So I just figured out a way to make it myself, you know.
0: Dude, that's badass. Um, I mean, the only thing I figured out to do with a sewing machine needle was pierce my ears when I was old enough. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I was helping my mom make my own shorts and just we were doing that's just what we did, you know. So wow. I was fortunate to have that, that, uh, I guess that, that skill when I was really young, you know. So then that's when cool. I got older, I, I knew I wanted to jump out of planes. I just, I, there was a, a small drop zone right near the mall where we used to go as teenagers. So we I would see, parachutes in the sky when I was younger in my teens so I was always interested and then uh yeah then I I went into the army to be a parachute rigger to be able to jump because you had to jump you had to be a jumper first to be able to be a rigger in the army okay That was a means to getting there.
0: So it was literally a blending of the two worlds almost right away because I'm assuming very early on you realized that your affinity for sewing was also a huge tie to the parachutes you were seeing in the sky. Exactly. That's fucking cool, man. (laughs)
1: I'm 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 a very small percentage of the world I've found that actually knew what they wanted to do when they were a kid and kind of took it to that level as an adult, you know? That's awesome because I still don't know what the fuck I want to do when I grow <laughs> up. <laughs> I haven't grown up yet. So let's get that straight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Keep that up. So now you go into the army to start jumping. Now obviously jumping in the military is dramatically different than jumping as a civilian. Um yep. so how was it for you?
1: Uh I well, ironically enough, I went through basic training and airborne school. And parachute rigor school with Matt Davidson, who Did you really? is a world champion kind of Yes, and we've been friends ever since. So um, that was really my introduction to Hey man, you need to start looking at the civilian world. We're in rigor school in the army, and he's telling me how, about the sport world. So um, yeah, we I got to my unit in uh, first special forces group. So I went right into special operations, which kind of throws you into that mix already. Sure. Um, and, uh, started skydiving a year later. I was in the sport world within six months of being out in uh, Washington state.
0: No. And, uh, I've talked to a bunch of people that started jumping in the military, but I don't think I've ever asked the question. I know that military jumps don't directly translate to civilian training, um, but, I mean, it, if you did 100 jumps in the military, a, a skydive uh, center will say, congratulations on that 100 jumps,
1: but it means jack shit. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, so yeah. you had so to start from scratch. Static static line jumps, static line jumping, and then there's halo jumping, right? There's there's military free fall. So sure. um, I was I was fortunate enough to be able to be exposed to both of those in the military world. Nice. And um and then obviously there was there's no uh passes for the for or uh credit for the for the military jumping. It sure. you start from scratch. And and you should. I mean that it's a whole different world. And same with rigging, honestly. I, really? I uh yeah the rigging side is you get really good experience but it 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 it's uh I'd say somewhat transferable. Um you it's very difficult to throw a military only rigger into a civilian type of rigging scenario.
0: I I guess uh, I would uh, understand. It's, hard. it's well yeah. I mean and the equipment uh, especially if it's just the um the static line stuff is pretty different,
1: yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there's yeah, not that many rounds being yeah. jumped anymore. Right. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, that, that was a, an easy transition for us, you know. And then, of course, you know, being a rigger, I got my civilian rigger ticket in 94. So I had been a military rigger, and then I just decided I was going to be a civilian. It might have even been 93. I have to look. I don't even know. Wow. Um, but it's been a long time. So, yeah, I, it was something I knew I wanted to do. And, and like everything I do, I, I – if I'm not going to be passionate about it and going to give it 100%, then I'm not going to do it. It's a damn good way to be. that's how I ended up here today. <laughs> that's a damn
0: good way to be. Well, you know what? I'll tell you, I've got a few longtime riggers that are good friends. Pablito Parasoli, um, an amazing okay. rigger and just a wonderful guy. And he's the same way. He's got this passion for it. And for him, the rigging world is kind of his zen spot you know i mean he gets behind Mm -hmm. his machines and doing his rigging and it's it's a whole like different world he goes into
1: is that the same for you yep oh it's therapeutic absolutely i love being on my sewing machines yeah it doesn't uh i love it that's i don't know it's kind of like a carpenter and a hammer right sure it's kind of you get you get used to your hammers right and uh, it's your tools and um you just enjoy it it's and you do you get into a uh a kind of a zen mode where you're just you know you're going and you know you're putting together and it kind of just feels good you know your brain's moving your hands are moving and it kind of all works together sure
0: now, um, and I've asked uh Pablito this as well. Was it difficult when you started to realize, and I'm gonna imagine that this happened quite early in the sport with you, that your rigging work in regard to reserves and stuff is someone's life on the line. Um, is that a pressure that you enjoy, or is it something that you kind of go,
1: I know I'm doing the job right, and this is just part of it? Um, it's absolutely something that I I wouldn't say I wouldn't use the adjective to uh, enjoy, um, but it's something that I have accepted a long time ago. I have the Riggers Pledge posted everywhere I go. So right outside my office, Mm. a huge on the wall is the Riggers Pledge. And I tell people, I tell every Rigger that comes in here, customers take pictures of it because I tell people that's how we make decisions around here. Mm. That's how we make decisions about uh, our product. Being in production, it's how we make decisions on rigging questions. Sure, it's a good guide, and um, so yeah, the responsibility. So responsibility in general was ingrained in me since I was a small child. I, I mean, so I'm a very responsible type person. It's something that's just. It's uh, I, I feel responsible. I feel. <sighs> I feel sure. okay with responsibility, right? Cool. So, um, and the accountability of being a rigger, absolutely. It's a, it's something that I take seriously and and that I, I don't think I would be a manufacturer and an owner operator if I didn't take that. Like, sure. As, as seriously as I do.
0: Well, and you know, it's kind of funny. That reminds me of all the old rigger jokes that everybody has heard all the way down the line. And of course the jokes are quite funny. You'd never want to piss off your rigger or don't do this or don't do that. I know quite a few riggers that had punched somebody in the face for doing something stupid but they'd still give them a perfect pack job uh because oh absolutely that's what's that's what's required you know i mean you'll throw somebody out of your loft before uh anything goes wrong with that rig and i know that just from all the riggers that i know which is an amazing thing but to step it up to the manufacturing level as well is huge when I when I talked to Bill Booth, I asked him, I'm like, how did you handle it the first time you knew somebody went in on, on your equipment? Because I can't wrap my head around being in that position. That's hardcore. Mm-hmm. It really is. I um, mean, I yeah. you had to have taken that into consideration when you got to the point where you decided you wanted to start making stuff, right?
1: Uh, well... Quite honestly, I, I went through that when I was working at Sunpath. I worked at Sunpath for 10 years as the director of engineering. Mm. So obviously there were fatalities during that time. And mm. I and even though that's not my product, as as again, going back to that responsibility conversation, it's my responsibility as the director of engineering during that period of time for that company. Sure. If something does go wrong. I take it as my responsibility. Sure. So owning that, owning that is something that is something I think anybody that is in that type of position lives with and kind of just uh, you have to deal with it. It's not easy. Let's put it that way. It's not something that you take lightly and it couldn't pass off to the side.
0: It couldn't be. I mean, uh, and it's tough for me to even wrap my head around being in that kind of position, because as a tandem instructor at AFF instructor, you take on the responsibility of one student at a time. Uh, But to know that, you know, goodness knows how many of a particular type of parachute or rig is out there. You almost kind of have to let that go. And and, uh, Booth's um, mentality about that is very much, uh, man, I can only make them as good as I can. People are going to do what they're going to (laughs) do.
1: right there 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 is that part of it right i mean we do as much as we possibly can with the tools and the technology and the know-how and the experience that we have sure. to give the the public the safest dummy proof system we can there is no <laughs> such thing right so uh and and no matter what any of us do there's always going to be that that something out there or someone out there that's going to just do something Not necessarily uh, maliciously, but just, you know, just you don't know what you don't know. And that causes a domino effect. And and that's usually where the issue comes, right?
0: Sure. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, come on, there's always going to be stupid jumpers, just like there's always stupid climbers and stupid drivers. It's just the nature of the that's human nature. Right. Now, but before we get too far ahead, um, you are a skydiver, obviously. What type of yep. jumping did you get into as you got into the sport world and, and what's kind of your, what's your corner?
1: Yeah. Um, so I mainly was a cameraman. I uh I started jumping in uh in Northwest in uh Kapowson, So that was a really great job zone. I was fortunate Beautiful. enough to be around some of the most incredible skydivers at the time that are still the some Red Bull guy. I mean Luke Aikens and Andy Farrington, that whole family is amazing. Yeah. And I got as a young jumper, I was exposed. These are the guys that were that were jumping with us, you know, at that time at young jumper stage. So it's, um, and, uh, to come 25 years later and see what they're (laughs) doing. It's like, it's kind of this huge branch tree that just kind of goes out and all these cool people and, and, uh, experience. Right. So, um, I started doing tandems. I did the coach thing. I was a instructor and all these things. And I really didn't like the coaching thing. I'm not a big teacher. (laughs) <laughs> um, and a lot of people like to be all, oh, I'm a great teacher. I love to teach. I'll be honest, dude, <laughs> I'm not a teacher and I don't like to teach. <laughs> um, I'm, so I, I figured that out and I'm much better flying my own parachute and I'm much better making other people look good with the camera. Sure. So sure. I figured that out better and I could fly and, and, and learned and, and way, be have way more fun with a camera on my head than, sure. uh, than anything else. So that's what I started doing. And fortunately I, uh, I got out of the army. I moved to Paris Valley and I went to work with Craig O'Brien and that changed my career right there. Yeah, I I started working at Paris Valley in 98. Um, I got a job with uh, Paris Energy. So I was on a four-way team training five days a week, you know, just cranking them out. Um, So for four years, that's what I did. I did, I went, put myself through college and I was on a, a a four-week team as a cameraman and then on the weekends we craig and i did all the camera for all the visiting people coming to paris and stuff sure. so was working for the drop zone for the that time really just helped my skydiving career take off
0: oh yeah um, yeah I actually got a few lessons from Craig way back in the day as well, when him and Tanya kicked my ass uh, in sky surfing uh, back in 90 in 96. And he's so, I mean, fire starter. Yeah, man, (laughs) him and Tanya. And it was me and Mary Tortomasi competing against them. And, and uh, yeah. Okay. We had a blast, but we had no business competing against those two. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're amazing. Oh, my next,
0: gosh. Next level. And it, it came full circle for me when I had the opportunity to fly um, Craig for some loads when he was doing the video work for the um, the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie. When he did Nice. The good, good,
1: good. Yeah, yes.
0: man. So I remember seeing him showing up going, no shit. All right, man. <laughs> On to the next story, you know, so I thought Great. that was pretty fucking cool, too. So, I yeah. mean, what sparked the interest to head to Paris Valley? Was it because that was like the place to go at the time?
1: Um, I was traveling back and forth from I, I, I started. I probably had 1500 skydives in Washington State, you know, at the time. And at, I was start. I needed to get out of the little pond and, and go into a bigger pond. And sure. Uh, I was actually on my way to Florida. I got out of the army, drove south. Stayed there for like two weeks in Paris. Made a ton of friends. And the people that I'm still friends with to this day. Yep. In that two-week time. And we all went to Eloy. And they wouldn't let me go to any further east. And they pulled me back to Paris. And <laughs> I stayed there. And those are my family now. That that was the beginning of the Sky family, basically. Isn't that great? Back, yeah. And uh, Jimmy and and Eli and all that. That whole crew, Jeff and Tanya and Craig and all that, that whole Southern California crew. Right. Yeah, man. So, well, I'm you... so grateful to be around those people. And Craig helped me. He, he, he was the guy that said, Hey man, you're the new guy here. I need you. You can do this. And, uh, without his, his help, I wouldn't be where I am today in the, for, in the skydiving sense for sure. Sure.
0: Um, well, and and what a crew too cuz I mean, you and I came up roughly the same time. You're a few years before me, but the crew that was out of Paris Valley specifically, these were the guys that were making the turning themselves into legends right in front of your eyes. I mean, this was Eli and Fritz and Mike and and yep. these teams that came through that were fucking mind-blowing and it was either Eloy or Paris and they just kept going back and forth to do cool shit at one of the other I mean what a great time to come up right
1: yeah I mean and and the family bonds that are made during that time that are today so strong I mean stronger than ever right yep oh Um, yeah (sighs) because we're all getting old and gray (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah, so that was kind of uh that and then uh, I put myself through college and got my engineering degree and that's when some, and then we started uh the Navy Freefall School at Scott of San Diego. That opened up I Air. Uh, I yeah, Tac Air. I was the master rigger that started with them and got everything started for the first year and then uh, Sunpath scoop me up. And, I, and that's how I ended up in Florida. I went to Florida and started my engineering degree at Sunpath or, or engineering career at Sunpath.
0: Dude, that's badass. And, and you uh, and I have actually um, been back and forth to a lot of the same places because I I flew for about a week. I was supposed to be there for about a month for TAC Air. Um, mm-hmm. But the plane that I had, I kept breaking down. But um, <laughs> But yeah, it was, was out there and in that field and what a beautiful spot as well. I mean, yeah, and those fucking military guys. Yeah. Oh,
1: holy yeah. shit. We had a good time. That was, that first year was a challenge, but uh you know, it's changed a lot since then, but yeah. yeah, it was a good time. So that was a good little springboard and it let me kind of transition. That was my transition out of the skydiving full-time back into kind of going into the the rigging engineering side again, right? Sure.
0: Now, did you and go then, into uh, college for engineering specifically so that you could
1: take it the direction that you did? Yep, it was the only way to go to take my passion for rigging to the next level to add that that layer of uh, pedigree, I guess, as you want to call it, right? So, sure. That put the put the technical side behind just being a rigger. Sure. And uh and that's really what I I went to that was my core. That was what I wanted to do to get that core engineering knowledge so that I could go the next level and uh because you can't jump forever. You can't jump for a living forever.
0: No, and that's <laughs> some the truth. people can, but I can't. No, I can't do it either. I can't do it either. You know, it's kind of cool because as a uh j- consider myself just an average jumper. We don't put a whole lot of thought into what goes into when you get to your level of rigging and If you'd have told me you went to school for engineering, my idiot mind would never connect that that has to do with learning the engineering side of doing something like rigging. So it's super interesting to find out what really goes into the shit that allows me to go do stupid shit falling out of an airplane.
1: it's so cool no one knows that that's all behind the curtains right yeah man and 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 on it quite honestly we lose a lot of people as soon as it turns to dry saltine crackers you'd be surprised you probably wouldn't be surprised at how many people just kind of their eyes go to the right and they just start (laughs) drifting away um yeah we can put we can make a fun thing, not fun, really fast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, as soon as you start
1: digging into the nuts and balls, that'll, that'll happen to pretty much anything. Yeah. But. but I mean, but the design part, you know, it's, it's uh, it is a lot of, it, it, there's a lot of work that people just don't have any clue. About. No. I mean, the, the evolutions and the design aspect of it takes so long i mean it, it has to think t- think what you think and double it
0: <laughs> i would imagine well because you're not just yeah. talking about the you're, you're talking about coming up with the concept and then you're talking about having to figure out how to make the thing then building a prototype then testing it then refining it and it's got to be years right. and years i mean right. and then you got to find some poor son of a bitch that's going to go jump something for the first time
1: <laughs> yeah well that's a that's a good uh a good point there um uh, that's really the big difference that i'm trying to make as kind of the newer generation i i i call me and kelly the, the the young generation in the in the product in the in the manufacturing world sure um owners wise and um uh what you just said is very true historically um when it comes to design of Harness container systems. Sure, it, it's conceptual. You have to then get it out of concept to some sort of templates to fabric, and then build it and go. Is that right? Is it not? Right. Um, what I've done uh, with my company is I've taken it to the 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 le- the very next level that no one else is doing, which is I'm using modern tools and modern technology to create that to take that concept to a virtual state first, mm. a, a, a technically accurate virtual state. So now sure. I've, I, over the last 10 years, I developed a 3D solid model to design harness container systems.
0: Oh, nice. So, in SOLIDWORKS. So like the CAD systems, the same type of stuff they're using for canopies?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's 3D solid modeling. That's it's basic, it's, it's 3D engineering uh, design software.
0: So if I have my head straight with that, that means that you build it in a computer and you can put it in the exact environment that it would be in in the real world and see if it all goes to shit or
1: if it works. Um, not necessarily in function state. I can design it and in a aesthetic state. Right. So okay. I, we. So I know the plan form I'm going to use. Right. So I know my thick. Thickness, my length, and my and things like that. The volumes that I need to accommodate for parachutes, stuff like that. And what um, what I can do now is I can create that solid model in the software, manipulate it for volumes and for aesthetics, and then I can take it down to two D templates from there and then build.
0: Oh, that's epic!
1: It. It gets me about ninety percent there. There's still ten percent that has to be done in reality, right? Because there's there's stretching and, and and things that you can't accommodate for quite sure. accurately. Um but uh it it's modern design of harness container systems, parachute systems, sport ones. And they've and, I mean, uh,
0: they've come a long way, yeah.
1: Yeah, but we're the only ones using 3D solid modeling from generation from concept to 3D solid model to product. That's cool. It, 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 before in in the old world, you it would you'd get about 20% there and you'd have an 80% road to a go. Sure. Now we can get 9 85 90% there and have that 15 10 15% to 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 touch up. Now, you said there is another whole aspect to it which is production, construction, and then testing, all those things, right? So there's sure. it's, it's, there's it, there a lot of moving pieces. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. Sure. And uh, it takes a lot of trust. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and that's what I've really noticed recently is that, I mean, if, I don't know, if you had somebody that was just uh, a, a new, not, I don't wanna say a nobody, but just a new person that just says, here's my name, John John, Joe, and here's this rig I got. It'd be really hard for, to find someone with, to just say, yeah, let me jump that and see what sure, happens. There's, sure. a, there's a, an evolution of your reputation that I've found that is almost required for people to trust you
0: yeah, well, I was just going to ask. Do you find it
1: with a life-saving piece of equipment? Yeah,
0: well, I was going to ask if you find <laughs> it daunting uh, being basically the new kid on the block, going against names like Booth. I mean, that's it's tough to to go up against people that have been established for like yours and my entire career from the very beginning. Those rigs were standard, you know. Sunpath sure. was standard. So, is it daunting going up against them?
1: Um, I wouldn't, I would say, yes, <laughs> it is daunting, but, <laughs> but it's also not, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's in a negative way because I've worked with all these guys. I've, sure. I've worked with Bill Booth. I've been so fortunate in my career to be able to, I mean, I'm on PIA committees with all these guys, you know, sure. it's like we work together. We're, we're friendly competitors. We try and use each other's experience in that in that safety aspect to to maintain the envelope together. Sure. And um, so in a competitive world, I I wouldn't say there's ever really against UPT, I don't really ever feel that way. They're so nice to me. Mm. I mean, I'm such good friends with everybody there. We're all just we're all making good gear. There's plenty to go around. That's sure. just the way we always try and treat each other. Sure. We're on the road on the boogies. It's just, we're just a bunch of carnival acts, right? So it's just <laughs> one, we're just going from one to the next to the next and right. we're all set up our tent and tearing it down. Yep. And we love each other and we help each other. And that's the way it's supposed to be on sure. the road in the marketing world. And if we all just acted like that, 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 dauntingness just kind of goes away right sure now there is there are those other ones out there that tend to not have that feeling right where they there is the competitive side takes over and and i just kind of i'm not that way i i'm i I don't want to build my company that way and i don't i don't really want to be big anyway that's not our motive (laughs) right i have no desire to be big we want to be the the ferrari model that's sure that's um Yeah. We're not Kmart. We're not Walmart. We're, uh, we're sure. I don't even want to call it. We're Peregrine manufacturing. We're different. We've always kind of been, and I'm, and I'm totally okay with that. That's kind of the way my whole life's been. I have always danced to a different beat kind of. Sure. And, um, and it's okay. It's, it's, uh, it's okay to be like that. I think, especially in this world, um, just because I I think it makes us stand out a little bit. Sure. When when people call and say, oh, you know, I never heard of you. I'm like, well, great, you found us. Sure. You know, welcome, welcome. We're you know, I'm glad you found us. Here's what we have. You know. Sure. And, and uh, our marketing strategy is very much organic versus in your face, and that's right. what we want. We we want that organic, real type of. Uh, filtration through the industry sure
0: well you know i mean it's not it's certainly not that uh, it hasn't been done many times before i mean these guys are a great um they're the perfect example of that i mean i remember when nz first came out i was like who they oh fuck (laughs) they make parachutes no i don't want to jump that i've never heard of that and now it's you know head to head with the biggest manufacturers out there and their motto is fuck yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's it's a very similar mentality i would think granted uh, maybe a little bit more uh that direction but uh, um that's a good well, you way just to validated
1: move. stephanie you just yeah. validated stephanie because our new hashtag is fly a fucking falcon
0: see there you go there you go. Well, again, I'm the fucking pilot. So you're selling it to the right guy. You know, I'm, I'm going to buy that kind of stuff. And uh, just to step back a little bit, you were talking about uh, collaborating in regard to the safety stuff. I think that that, especially in the manufacturing world is a must because one manufacturer putting out sketchy, dangerous gear doesn't look bad just for them. It makes the entire sport look bad because right. the real world does not differentiate between Sunpath or UPT or Picture peregrine it was some guy with a parachute right that's all it was so Mm -hmm. we're not a big enough sport for there to be um wiggle room in that respect you know it's all got to be safe which means that it should boil down to i like this rig style i like what peregrine is doing i like the design i like this i like that and it boils down a little bit more to personal preference
1: it does and that's that's the way the market is right now we all make Fantastic, safe equipment. Sure. That's across the board, and and the, the skydiving public should feel very good about that. You know, sure. and, and I think it is the way. What you just said is very true. I think it is. I think that's 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 happening today. Um, it should come down to personal preference. Some rigs fit a little different for different body types and things sure. like that. So, so we try and accommodate as best we can. And, and you're absolutely right. It comes down to flavor. It's like a car. People, yeah. You know, it's, it's what people like. Get yeah. like what you like
0: get now, what you want you,
1: get what you like <laughs> do
0: you see any I, I i've asked the question a few times especially for canopy manufacturing how much further can we go how is there anything new on the horizon because i can't envision it but obviously i'm not the guy trying to design that stuff so i'll ask you is there anything on the horizon do you foresee a time when the gear that we use today is is old school
1: absolutely really
0: oh what do you think it's going
1: there's there's technologies being developed right now to eliminate sewing so things like ultrasonic welding so we're going to be in 10 years i bet you we're not even sewing parachutes together really they'll be they'll be ultra ultrasonically welded together so the seams become no stitching anymore and i and containers same same thing a nylon fabric can be welded together which actually creates a a stronger seam because it's it's now the, the, the strength of the fabric versus the strength of the stitch. Wow. So you act and you can do crazy design stuff now when you can now weld different profiles together versus having to sew them. It just, it changes the whole um, or, or origin of the design. Sure. So you take it back to your your, uh, your design checklist where you, before you even have anything to play with, you're tr- you can now design and create <laughs> totally differently because you have different tools. Sure. and that's what my company will always be looking at. That we're never gonna sit back and go, oh yeah, we do it this way, and we're just gonna continue doing this way. Sure. that's what I've built this company on: looking forward and using tools and whatever we can that's available to us today sure. and what's going to be available tomorrow versus going oh. I've been, we just do it this way all the time. You know, I'm always looking for better ways of doing things and doing things and making things better.
0: Sure. Well, dude, the idea idea of not having stitching anymore, I mean... Just from, uh, from just a fun jumper perspective that cuts down on, you know, the little wear points that you get that cuts down on the weight of the container will drop. That's
1: it. the big deal is, is reducing weight Yeah. So now we reduce fatigue and now we can do more jumps. Yes. You know, all these other things like that, that's a, a big push. So yeah, yeah. the, the, all, the taking away all the thread, all <sighs> that stuff, it, it there's, there's going to be big changes. Um, plastics are outperforming metals and now i mean there's polymers these days um uh things like uh uh, injection moldings are becoming way more affordable now where you the, the, you don't have to buy the dyes anymore. There's just it, the, there's technologies that were out of reach for our industry before are becoming within reach. 3D printing is taking leaps and bounds that are now printing metals. Things that we could potentially use, in, in in replacement of older technologies that were that we have been using right so sure always looking to advance with taking that the why have we used it for this long also into consideration sure sure absolutely <laughs> do well, you foresee a lot of people don't know the why right why do we do this i'm always asking why are we always using this you know it's a if there's a valid reason cool <laughs> But if if someone just goes, I don't know, just because, then I I start scratching my head or scratching and sniffing a little more, you know? I'm like, what's happening here?
0: Isn't that usually the answer, though? It's, well, how come you're still doing it that way? Well, uh, I don't know. It's just because that's always how it's been done. Right. (laughs) People don't think. (laughs) No. People don't
1: think. No.
0: Well, see, but that's the great thing about having guys like you out there doing that thinking because people like me don't want to do that thinking. I want to put my (laughs) head on and go jump. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't want to think that. about that true shit. that <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I really don't i will sit back and marvel over the advancements that are made but i don't want to be fueling those fucking advancements that's a lot of fucking work
1: yeah well you know and that's that keeps me employed and, and you know i i love to hear that I, yeah, and that's man. why i love my job It's part of reason why i love my job yeah, for sure. i'm able to do that right i'm i'm able to be that little tinkerer in the back that makes it so everybody can have fun Sure. Well, a little bit of, there's some heart in that for me.
0: <laughs> well, and that's how I discovered my little niches is, is uh, not necessarily coming up with the advancements. It's uh, sitting here drinking wine, talking to people that actually do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I write about it or I talk about it and I've said it a million times on the podcast. The coolest thing about me is all my friends because <laughs> all my friends do all these amazing things. And um, if you, I think you said you watched the uh, episode I did with uh, Junior, the first uh, YouTube on the mm-hmm. uh, uh, on the podcast. And at the very end of it, I said the same thing. I wanted him to send video so I can take credit for all his accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> Cause at the end Lord. of the day, I love it. You'll tell all these great stories and then it becomes a, Hey, did you hear that guy that was on the the lunatic fringe podcast? And so somehow I'm getting credit for shit. I had nothing Perfect. to do with it. It's fucking amazing. Perfect.
1: I like not, that, though. I, yeah. I might I might use that and, and not and not give you credit, which is the best thing about me as my friends. Yes, man. Yes. That.
0: So um, do you see any advancements coming down the line in regard to safety? Because that's something I think has advanced um, quite a bit over the years. But then again, a lot of it is still boils down to like the students type stuff. But do you see anything coming with equipment safety wise um, or is it just refinements on what we've already
1: got? We've got things pretty good. Um, I would, as far as safety goes, you know, simplicity is always better. Yes. Taking things back to a more simple place where it's more of a universal feel, you know, sight pictures are the same and and trying to take, uh, the, the outliers and bringing things into a a more of a, a consistent thing. And it's mainly in the rigging world. Sure. Um, um, getting rid of things like sharp plastics. Uh, there's ways of, that we're doing now, like uh, on my new system, we're re- removing grommets and side flap plastics out of the main container and putting the the D-rings in. Um,
0: I saw that. I saw that.
1: Um, just merely to eliminate snag hazards, wear points, um, things that go wrong with the rig, right? That plastic notoriously on every single rig on the main side flaps eventually pops out the side and breaks Mm -hmm. the binding tape it's just 90 degree angles uh where the, the line catchers things like that um uh like I said, we've the envelope's been defined a sure. long time ago, you know, it, sure. and I and I stand on the shoulders of giants. I say it everywhere I go. Uh, it's all been figured out. Ninety five percent of it's been figured out well before I even showed up on the, uh, on the sure. world. Right. Sure. And now all we can do now is make sure we maintain that safety envelope and refine and do better with what we have
0: yeah well i mean i kind of my personal opinion is short of uh when we all start jumping with anti-gravity boots i think (laughs) the the gear that we're jumping is all down to the little things like again being able to mold this stuff and not use stitching which just off the top of my head avoids so much wear and tear if there's no stitching for fuck's sake, I'm gonna have a tough time getting my head around that. That's yeah, really and the, cool. just
1: the, the design avenues that you can take with with different uh, interfacing profiles without seams. It's gonna it's it's gonna change everything. Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> now, um, I know that you you had gotten started with Sunpath, and this has kind of been the path that you were heading. But when did you finally decide? All right, fuck it. I'm pulling the trigger. It's time to step out and and do this.
1: I had probably been at Sunpath. Well, Sunpath was in Florida. We were in Zephyr Hills. And then everything transferred up to Rayford. And uh, I was commuting. I was working and I was still living in Florida, doing two weeks in Rayford, going back two weeks at home and oh, wow. doing the commute. And it started getting a little rough. You know, sure. I didn't I didn't really enjoy that. And uh, they gave me the opportunity to live wherever I wanted. So I ended up moving to Connecticut. Because my parents, my parents were retiring, so I wanted to be kind of closer to them. Sure. Fast forward, they retired and moved away, so now I'm stuck here in Connecticut. <laughs> 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 Fucking parents. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, yeah, um, I think probably 2011 ish. I started feeling like, you know, I, I, there's, I, I can, this is, there's more to doing this for someone else, I guess. Not sure. that I really, I love my job. I love what I do and I have loved what I do. I'm very fortunate. I'm one of the very few people in the world that loves what he does every single day. I just, I get up and next thing you know, the day has gone and it's been that way for 20 years. Um, which is, and yeah. I've, it was amazes me to this day that I'm, that I'm lucky enough to have that. Um, but I wasn't happy doing it for someone else. I knew sure. that I could do it myself and, um, the opportunity came hey. and, uh, it was, you know, I was 39, I think at the time and decided, you know, that if I'm going to do something, now's the time I'm either going to work sure. for someone else for the rest of my life, or I'm going to just take the step now and see how it goes. Sure. And we went all in like I do with everything else. And, uh,
0: It hasn't been easy.
1: It's not, it's never easy. Right. Um, But, uh, but it's very, very gratifying and Mm. satisfying to, to have, to have a company that's, even though we're at nine years now. So 2013 is when I started this and uh, nine years in and it's, it's a tough market. It's a unique market. Sure. So you've got to have some stamina you guys sure tana, you gotta have some thick skin and back to your question is it daunting absolutely it's daunting because <laughs> i'm i'm now a competitor to people that are my peers sure so it's a, it's got a whole different spice to it you know what i mean i don't think you get that in very other many industries where no. you go from being employee and uh I guess you want to say apprentice, kind of in a, in that world, like a, a subordinate. I guess I lack sure. of a better word. Sure. Looking up at all these peers and working with them and learning and getting experience, and then you have to take that experience and and branch out on your own, and 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 you have these relationships that you have to manage at the same time. Sure. So it's 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 difficult because you don't want to. I don't want to ever feel like I'm a, I'm a, a negative competitor. I'm just sure. an addition to the market. I want to sure. be an addition to the market.
0: Well, in, and, uh, in my dreamy fun jumper, uh, rose-colored glass world, I look out and I want to assume that it's a lot like uh, a jumper being trained to fly his canopy, eventually going up and competing against the guy that trained him. And of course, you and I know that happens all the time. Um, and there are guys that will trade positions on the podium and one was trained by the other and they'll be cheering each other on even while they're competing. So I would like to believe that the manufacturing world is the same. I know it's
1: not, but I Uh, hope to
0: some degree it is.
1: There is absolutely to some degree. (laughs) Uh, degree. Here's here's a great example, a, a current example um, we we launched our new product, the Falcon, at the Invasion Boogie over uh, the last holiday in de- at the end of December, and we had a great showing. We we had a great uh, response to that. I got home about three days later, the next work week. I got a call from Greg Rao mm. from UPT, saying, "Man, good job. That was awesome. You, I, you're what you're doing is great." And so. So it does happen. So UBT, but Greg and I have been buddies in the <laughs> carnival <laughs> folk forever. But that's an example of camaraderie between the companies, right? Sure. Um, I, and I just don't have personal relationships with the, with some of the other ones. That's sure. It, and, and had I had I had personal relationships with someone from Mirage or something like that, I'm sure it would have been reciprocal. Sure. Um. So. Uh, but. Uh, the other companies, PD, Fluid, all the canopy manufacturers, everybody is so nice. And the people that I'm not directly competing sure. with, right, Sure, of course. are stoked, you know, and and we have great relationships with all of those guys. So the industry is, I would say, that it is actually the way that you were hoping it is. Good. You good know, and, and 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 in my mind it is just like yours nice and I ha- and with my one experience currently and Greg has done that historically too but with that current experience there that's an example of, of that actually happening
0: well and that's what you want to hope right I mean that the the basis for this entire podcast is the idea of the bonfire chats and the community behind Scott Eving, and that ultimately the community is what keeps people in the sport dramatically longer yeah. than just the jumping um so you hope that it's going to be that way so it's nice to hear that on a practical side it it is for the most part Uh, i would imagine that because you didn't have relationships with some of the other companies it'll be a little bit colder (laughs) simply right you are competition but as long as it's always a friendly competition all good that's fine yeah exactly I'm happy with that world. Right. I can live in that world. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. we wanted to. Uh, I I know you wanted to go out of your way to talk shit about somebody uh, for suckering you into coming onto the podcast. Oh, who yes.
1: who are who are we nailing? All right, we're hitting Stephanie hard because you know she basically set me up for this. And where is she right now? <laughs> I'm having a hard time finding that young lady. Yep. Yeah. No cue cards, no, no real prep, except I'll spank on the ass and get out there and do it. Right? I like it. So uh, oh. she, she'll pay dearly for it at some point in the future. I can Fair guarantee enough. you. Fair so enough. Well, karma Stephanie,
0: Stephanie, <laughs> for when you're watching this or listening to it, it was hilarious because I asked him um, to make sure he could give me the social media stuff at the end of the, uh, at the end of the interview. And he just kind of glazed over. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So this is what we have for social media stuff. There you
0: go. There you go. (laughs) Honestly, man, if it weren't for the fact that I have to do this podcast, I'm miserable with the social media stuff. I would would get on Facebook to, you know, occasionally argue with perfect strangers over bullshit. But other than that, my social media was nothing, you know, just keeping up with old friends. And I'll say Facebook has been a godsend for being able to keep up with people in the sport over Mm -hmm. all these years. But otherwise I couldn't be bothered until all of a sudden, i had to have it to reach out to people for the podcast so i feel you i get it yeah now i'm thankful
1: on 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 a good note for stephanie i'm very thankful for her for being able to handle all of that stuff for me absolutely i just cannot do it
0: it's a it's a level of detail and professionalism that escapes most of us especially guys you're in my age (laughs) yeah
1: and she can do it
0: yeah so now As we wrap things up, let's talk about the social media stuff. How do they find you? I know I made you look up your Instagram. So what's your Instagram handle? What's your website? And if people want to get more information on the new container and the products that your company puts out, how do they do it?
1: Um, well, we are all, all direct to consumer sales. We do not use dealers. Okay. Um, we have a few select dealers out there, such as Rock Sky Market just came on as a referral. Okay. Um, so everything's done in-house. So that's, we're a different kind of company. We have a cool. different type of experience when you buy. Um, you can find us at Peregrine Manufacturing on Instagram. Our website's www.peregrinemfginc.com. Okay. Um, Facebook is just Peregrine Manufacturing. Um, but yeah, we're all direct to consumer sales, which means, uh, it's, we're, we save you the dealer margin right off the bat. So apples to apples, you're saving about 30% Sure. and you're getting a high end system and you're getting it without paying a middleman. That's really what it comes down to. We're changing things on that note. The whole, uh, industry is kind of changing and, and, uh, hopefully now that we're all a little more accessible, you get a different experience. Sure. So, um that's what Stephanie's job is to do is to make every single one of our customers love the experience of getting their rig and, and designing it and having a, and being part of our family. And uh, it's, it's a different type of experience than anywhere else. Awesome. Um, So yeah, find us on the website Um, designer. It's all very hands-on and uh, we're very uh, involved in the in process from start to finish.
0: Awesome, awesome. I actually did want to ask: Have you found uh, on the manufacturing side of, side of things that the um, infrastructure in the states has fucked you over during COVID, trying to get supplies? And is it difficult to get all the stuff you need to do the job?
1: Um, I uh, not 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 for me, honestly. I have not awesome. had that big of a problem. Couple little sketchy things, but. Um, I learned a long time ago that uh, about material management and inventory management and being a small company, um, even a big buy for me is a, is a spec. So mm. for other companies, so um, I blanket order a lot of stuff. So my materials are are already on order now for December of next year. So oh, awesome. I try and give my suppliers as much time. And because the way I model the company and production, I don't have a lot of peaks and valleys. Um, we limit our production based on our capacity. Awesome. If we, if we can't deliver the way we want to deliver, then we don't take the orders. We stop, we slow things down so that we can continue to have a consistent quality product go out the door without delivery times going crazy. Cool. So, um, it's, like I said, it's a whole different type of approach to, uh, our company and the way we interface with our customers. Cool. but as far as supplies goes, we, we, we're good on that. We uh, Fortunately, most of the suppliers, all the fabric that everyone gets, 15 minutes down the road from here. <laughs> both you of got them, an edge. Yeah. The hardware is an hour from here. So all the stainless steel hardware comes into Rhode Island. The Cordura is right down the road at Brookwood Fabrics. So mm. I've placed myself strategically to where I don't even have to worry about UPS anymore. Yes. I, I send somebody in, in my in the truck. I say go, take the van, go get the material. Awesome. So um, I think I think the last time we looked, 80% of our vendors and supplies are within 50 miles of us. Jesus. All right. So that's not a bad spot to be then. Yeah. The only one, the big one is tape, is binding tape. And that's in Pennsylvania. It's like 250 miles. So it's not even that bad. It's one day UPS shipping. So we've really strategically located ourselves to where materials are within reach and not dependent on shipping and things like that, which has paid off during the pandemic. That's exactly what's paid off
0: that's cool man because it's been a weird time and, and through no fault of their own manufacturers of all different types of equipment have had real issues yeah. getting the stuff that they need just to make the products that they're selling which sucks for everybody right you just need one not to be available that's it that's <laughs> it, that's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> And it's, yeah. it, it's such a weird world now. I mean, especially when you're talking about wanting to get your new baby, because you know how it is when you've ordered that rig, especially if it's your first rig and you're just mm-hmm. just seething to get this thing and it's delayed for any reason. I mean, fucking hell, you know, you're yeah. practically as an adult, you're practically sleeping near the front door so you don't miss the <laughs> knock when the delivery driver comes. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. I deal with them every day.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. Well, Dave, I'll tell you what, man, I cannot thank you enough for uh, sitting down and taking the time to talk to me. Hopefully it was not as
1: painful as you had envisioned. <laughs> it wasn't, but uh, we'll, we're not going to let Stephanie know that. No, you still got to give her a hard time. <laughs> still got to give her a
0: hard time. Well, everybody check out everything that's going on. I hope they all pull up your social media and stuff. I wish you all the thank best. Thank you for and having me. And, and uh, hopefully a couple years down the road, we'll uh, or not even a couple years, we'll talk when uh, when things get
1: rolling and see how it's going. Yeah, buddy, man. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Dave, take care.
0: And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you, as always, by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com by Pussfoot. That's right, head to Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them, head to TonySuit.com check out all the amazing standards as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on youtube that's right you're gonna have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to youtube.com and looking up the lunatic fringe podcast it's easy hit the like button hit the subscribe button check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had as well as new and upcoming interviews on video as always i am the fucking pilot head to the fucking pilot.net or the princess thanks for joining we'll see you next time around